2: Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. The Everly Brothers? No, no, not the Everly Brothers. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car.
0: But that was then, Bobo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey.
2: No, we're not.
0: And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you
2: like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God.
0: Uh, spoiler!
2: Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here.
0: Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there.
2: Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay,
0: well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody,
2: I'm Rob Benedict. I'm Richard Spate. And this is Season 2, Episode 9. Croatoan.
0: Man. How many times did you get that wrong at first? Lots. I said
2: Croatian, and you know, I my my character talks about the Croatoan virus in um, in an episode in season five, I think. Yeah, and 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 this is the first time
0: I knew what that was. I, I'm still confused about what it is, but yes, yeah, the first time I really understood. But I will say, after years of just seeing it on paper, I've called it uh, Croton. 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 like sure. a, a like a ba- like a 50s wop act from
1: Croatia.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Crotons, the Crotons, Johnny Crow and the Crotons. Um, all right, well, let's get into the summary. After Sam has a vision of Dean shooting a defenseless man, the brothers head to River Grove, Oregon. Hey, I'm in Oregon right now. Yeah, do you know River Grove? I don't. Oh, while looking for answers, they discover that all the phone lines are dead.
0: Which, which by the way, immediately dates this as being an old show.
2: Right. Exactly. Because, and
0: you live in a town, and all the phone lines are down. My sons right now could. I could say, oh, no, every landline in town has been shut off, and then it wouldn't affect anybody.
2: No, no. Not only that, they could go online and find, you know, they could Google Croatoan.
0: Oh, no, they'd be Googling, what's a landline?
2: <laughs> Sam sees the word Croatoan carved into a pole. Now, that same word was found at the site of Roanoke, the lost American colony from the 1500s, where all the inhabitants mysteriously disappeared. Is that a true thing? We, I think we'll find out in our facts and figures later on. They find the home of the man in Sam's vision, Duane. Duane's brother tells Sam and Dean that Duane isn't home. Something about the story is fishy. Sam and Dean peek into the window and see the father cutting the brother's hand so that his blood will drip into a wound on their mother, who is tied to a chair. Oh, man. Talk about awkward family Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> the boys kick in the door and shoot the father, but the brother gets away.
0: The brother gets away because Sam's a lamo with this weapon. Like, he really phones it in when it comes to shooting the brother. The brother's about four feet away from him and and just disappears a minute later, into the trees, like Sam yeah. has about nine opportunities. To <laughs> totally,
2: show this kid. totally. Sam and Dean take the mother to the medical center. There, Doctor Lee discovers a virus that seems to be supernatural in origin and drives people to be violent. Ooh. Dean attempts to drive out of town to find help. However, the roads are barricaded by men infected with the virus. Yikes! Yeah, weirdos. Dean picks up Mark Vargo, a local he met earlier, and heads back to the doctor's office. But not before, like reversing and, and, and that guy, that yeah. crazy stunt.
0: Flinging some dude from the side of the Impala. Yeah. Really cool.
2: Sam shares with Dean that John believed Croatoan was a demonic plague. The mother starts to go crazy.
0: Don't the, all mothers go crazy though. Raising total. children these days, even back in the 2007s. I mean, it's, it's tough. I, it's you tough. Know, Raise your hand, moms, if you haven't gone crazy. You know That's what I mean?
3: That's right. Right.
2: Now raise your hand if <laughs> your son went nutso. And dropped, dripped blood into your mouth.
0: <laughs> well, wow, only a handful of hands.
2: So the mother starts to go crazy, and Dean shoots her. Dwayne shows up. Oh, uh,
0: hello overreaction.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they run tests on Dwayne, but they're inconclusive. We are now at the moment of Sam's vision. Dean is about to shoot Dwayne, but he can't. A nurse goes berserk and gets her infected blood in a wound on Sam. Yeah. Dean kills the nurse. Dean's just kill crazy. Dean's in a mood. Dean makes everybody leave and refuses to let Sam off himself. <laughs> 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 this doesn't sound right. <laughs> hey, but a brother's got it
0: off himself. The brother's got it off himself.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Lee shows up and tells everyone that the town is empty. Sam isn't infected after all. The group leaves town and goes their separate ways. Dwayne is riding with Mark Vargo. Dwayne slits his throat to drain his blood into a goblet. He's making a call. Into the goblet, he says, I don't think any more tests will be necessary. The Winchester boy, definitely immune as expected. Sam and Dean have a chat. Dean is ready to share with Sam what Dad told him before he died. To be continued.
0: My favorite part of this episode, listening to you say Dwayne is a two-syllable word. <laughs> Dwayne.
2: Dwayne. Du- 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 That's what we would say it in Missouri. What would you du- say?
0: Dwayne. Dwayne? Yeah. I like huh. Dwayne, du- like du- though. I like your way. Dwayne. Dwayne and uh,
2: Sam offing himself. Well,
0: <laughs> Maybe so- Sam should have done Wayne.
2: <laughs> so what'd you think? I thought that was a pretty good episode myself. Um the virus thing was hard to sort of understand at first what the hell was going on.
0: Well, I, look, I, th- I think the episode bit off a lot. Um, you know, it had to take giant leaps. I mean, I know it's a TV show and there's always giant leaps in logic. But the woman in a walk-in clinic mm-hmm. had CDC levels of abilities to identify, isolate a virus mm-hmm. and track its growth pattern. Mm-hmm. like like a, like a little bit... <laughs> Where she's like, well, I don't know much about medicine, but let me see. Oh my gosh, I've just found this rare virus that no one's ever seen before, and it's in your blood. It should probably be there around three hours. I mean, it was also why
2: am I a doctor at in Riverdale, Oregon? When I've got these, when I'm actually an amazing (laughs) surgeon.
0: Exactly. I just I kind of felt like it was a really good episode. So I mean, I, I enjoyed it all the way through. I thought it was really interesting. Great again, great guest cast. And cool, scary story. I love the guys barricading the bridge. It was a really cool scene, as you already noted.
2: Uh, yeah, that, that was a great stunt. Amazing. We don't and uh, we don't normally see stunts like that uh, on the show. And uh, I knew the nurse. I knew the nurse was not to be trusted. I didn't. She was so weird. I was like, why is that woman so weird? And then when when she she was like, it revealed that she had the virus, I was like, I yelled at the TV.
0: I knew it. I, you know, you are so on, there's been more than one episode where you have called out something that I totally didn't see coming. I didn't see the nurse being, I thought it was going to be a classic Dean woos the nurse and then says, Uh -uh. sorry, I can't stay. I got to go like he does. So I didn't, I didn't see the old nurse tries to kill Sam bit coming uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. I, I didn't I didn't trust her and also uh well you don't trust
2: nurses in general I have a problem with <laughs> nurses that is not true though we have a lot of nurse <laughs> listeners and I just want to send love out to anyone who's a nurse uh, yeah nurses
0: <laughs> all um, you nurses who haven't tried to kill Sam or Jared Padalecki hats off to you and your yeah. service
2: <laughs> um it was, certainly was a very it was blonde I've written down in my notes blonde hair hospital a lot of blonde yeah here in that hospital with the when the mom was in there and then the nurse and the doctor
0: yeah they all go to the same salon it's a tiny town
2: yeah I also have written down Mr. Rogers joke do you remember Mr. Rogers joke
0: that was Someone- a great joke
2: yeah, what's the joke oh it was really funny
0: he, he, he goes he goes my neighbor mr rogers went nuts and he's like you have a neighbor named mr rogers and he goes not anymore not anymore yeah <laughs> that's a really
2: funny joke
0: it was a great back and forth i thought it was great yeah and i i thought that that actor was fantastic playing the vietnam vet neighbor the master sergeant you know yeah he I, was I great i shouldn't say he's a vietnam vet he's a ma- master sergeant um yeah he was great dean, he was great. And then when they got in the car and they had the guns pointed at yes! each other. And that Dean's was so like, great. this is going to be an awkward ride. Or yeah, said.
2: I, I love that. And uh, you know who else I really liked was the kid who played Dwayne. Dwayne, it was really great. He was a uh, really good actor. And that, because that's an that's intense scene to play when you're about to be shot by Dean. I
0: don't know if you know this, but I met him on Sunday and my heart stood still. A Dwayne, Wayne, Wayne, a Dwayne, <laughs>
2: Wayne. <laughs> oh, man. There's a joke for one of you.
0: <laughs> um hopefully Sean Cassidy is listening to our podcast. <laughs> that's a that's a joke for Sean Cassidy.
2: Yeah. Well, uh and the thing I've written down is Dean's in a mood because Dean is in a mood.
0: Well, he is in a mood and uh you know good for you for calling it out. Um he, he definitely is trigger happy although he makes the right call at the 11th hour uh with Duane. Yeah. Yeah, I I was uh it was just a well That contagion sort of through line with the sort of we're trapped in this tiny building and it's just us and who can we trust out of the group of us. Like uh, 28 days later, like traveling together in a small group and you don't know who you can trust and when that can turn at any second. That was cool. I thought it was a really cool.
2: There were a couple moments when when people started disappearing. Like the hospital felt like a set to me.
0: It did. People start
2: disappearing. it, it, It almost like it made it not look real. Well,
0: I think part of the problem is you understood this is one of those episodes that reveals the limitations of TV. Mm-hmm. Aside from that great stunt, which was big budget and looked awesome. Yeah. Th- you know, we didn't see the town disappearing. We just heard the sound of the town disappearing. You know, you, right. you, you weren't really get to, getting to experience as much of, the, and that's not because it wasn't well directed. It was very well directed. It was ver- very well written and very well acted. It's just mm-hmm. that's the limitation of TV. Sure. Like the feature version of this is very different you right, know right, and right. and i and that's kind of my point with the whole 24 hour doc in a box walk-in clinic has you know is is identifying viral samples that will bring right. the globe to a screeching halt sure. in a matter of minutes i mean there's a, it's a big leap a couple yeah. of times in this story
2: but it is supernatural and you know we're watching it with you're watching a show about demons and going and you know,
0: this is yeah the and i think reality. they they did a good job of making it about dean's journey to try to figure out where his it's almost like the sterling carey brown story now he's got to decide if he's going to shoot these people just because he thinks they might be bad versus waiting right. to find out. You know what right. I mean? Yeah.
2: Okay. So, time, time, the time to meet your maker. What are, I'm, I like this episode. Me too. So, I'm going to give it, I'll give it a, 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 man, I'm, what am I going to give it? I'm going to give it a full.
0: You already, you already go first. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm giving it a Benedict. I'm giving, I'm it, usually a, giving it the Benedict again. I'm it a Benedict. It's like it's a, it's a well trimmed. Well-groomed beard with a sophisticated dusting of gray okay. uh, throughout, like mm-hmm. a consistent dusting. You could almost call it a gray beard, but I think it's a, oh. you know, for the sake of this conversation, we'll say <laughs> okay. a, a, a light dusting of gray. Now I and, feel judged. But it's not, it's not a home. There are just a couple of things that stopped it from being a big, bushy, perfect beard. You know okay. what I mean? So it's a, it's a good looking, <laughs> solid, well trimmed beard, stem to stern, Benedict That's what I give it. I
2: love that. In your review, I feel like I need to do some, yes. some self, <laughs> some groom, self grooming. Like, I'll give it a Benedict. You know, a nicely trimmed, gray all over, patchy in places. Could be better.
0: Alopecia um, throughout. Um.
2: No, I'm going to give it the same. Although uh, I'm going to say that the beard is it's like mine, but it's dyed, and you can tell that it was dyed. Ooh.
0: That's kind of a slam on it, right? So that's a negative. A little a bit like down. there
2: are moments where like I talked about where like oh the the like you said the limitation of television I f- I could tell that was a set that hospital. Now that being said, I really really I loved it. It's a good looking beard. Okay. I can tell that I can tell there's been some dye work. All
0: right, you've heard it here for All right, you've heard it here folks. Uh the the review stands as one Benedict, one poorly dyed Benedict.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, one Benedict and one Benedict last February when I had that Job and I (laughs) dyed my beard with a box, box, beard in a box, color in a box. Um, (laughs) all right, well, let's get on to our interview for today. This is going to be exciting.
0: This is one of those you know damn well, Rob, that I'm going to nerd out during this interview.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: I know this, this, you know this, people should be ready because this is an unbelievable opportunity to hear. Yeah, get it? I said, hear Mm -hmm. how all the sounds of this show come together.
2: All right, let's get to it.
4: Michael, so good to see you again. Good to see you, both of you guys. I've actually, I haven't seen you in quite a while, Rob, but I have seen Rich, because you directed a a couple episodes in between when I hadn't seen Rob other than, you know, then of course we finished off, we can talk about that later, finishing the season off completely remotely. yeah. The whole 15 year thing is yeah. like stopping hard. We'll you know, we'll hopefully we'll do that in what two years when you guys get down to that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, we're we're talking here with Michael Lachey, and he is well, for me, you were always the reason I loved to go do <laughs> dialogue replacement because I'd get to come to Warner Brothers and and do sound.
0: Be on the fancy lot.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so he won three Emmys for his work on Smallville, worked as a supervising sound editor for all 15 seasons of Supernatural and now you're on a show called Walker with a guy named Jared Padalecki. Who? Yeah. Very
4: very tall, very tall man.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And his other TV credits include Arrow, The O.C., Malcolm in the Middle, and Midnight Caller, Michael Lache, Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you very much, Robin. Thank you, Rich. This is great. Absolutely. And I got to say, you've got to be the only person that we've interviewed so far and maybe that we'll ever interview who has three Emmys under their belt. Yeah. That's kind of dope. It's kind of cool. It is very cool. It was it was an amazing time.
4: And the second Emmy was while we were shooting Supernatural. And we were actually nominated for three Emmys on Supernatural as well. Oh, my gosh. For sound. Yeah, it was really That's cool. awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: So here's my question. And yes, sir. Every, I, we always wanted to start with the origin story. Of the person we're talking to. And that's really, for for you, a, a two-pronged origin story. How'd you get into sound? Like, how'd you arrive where you are? And then how do you end up on Supernatural? Sure. Um,
4: when I was a teenager back in the 70s, it was a big deal because uh, cassette recorders had just come out that were small enough to carry in a backpack, right? Mm-hmm. So we could actually record things. And so some friends and I would do, for fun, radio shows. We'd record stuff on a cassette. And send the next part to the next person, and they'd ad lib the next scene, and we send it to the next person, and they'd lib the next thing, and then eventually, it's like when the when the recorders got small enough that you could actually put into a car. And we were in high school. I started recording. We would like do sound effects on the fly of you know keys rattling to do the chains and stuff for the ghost of Christmas past as we went around delivering Christmas presents and neighborhoods to friends and stuff like that. And we Amazing. went we went for years in high school. I think, yeah, for three years running, we went and did that. And so we continued the story of Christmas Carol recording that stuff. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I went to UCLA and started as an actor, as we all do, and did a lot of technical theater at the same time because I had done a bunch of theater theater. And I wound up sticking with technical theater. My first project at UCLA was as what would now be the supervising sound editor for a play for Hot L Baltimore at UCLA. wow! And we were did, not unlike what we were doing on Supernatural all the time, creating a soundscape for what that time and moment is. It was supposed to be Memorial Day, 1972. Went to the library, dragged out the books of Billboard on File, right? So wow. what, what songs were there? What was happening in the news? So we put together this stuff with all these different guys and girls to do as if we're doing radio broadcasts through a little AM radio on the set. That was how the entire show started. So you knew you were Memorial Day, 1972. The uh, first space station was up at that moment, is that people were pulling out, you know, they were, they were pulling out of Vietnam. All this other stuff was going on. We did this big deal of trying to really put everybody in the timepiece. And that was in 1979. So I was still, I think I was 18 and a half at UCLA doing wow. a big sound project. And that was cool.
3: Wow. Yeah. yeah. That,
2: that's kind of thing <laughs> that sets you up for later of working on a show like yeah. Supernatural, too. Exactly for flashbacks and things.
0: So, what was that segue like? So, you you're you're now a UCLA graduate. Right. You're, you've been doing. It sounds like a lot of theater, technical theater stuff, yep. but not necessarily film sound. I had a
4: really great friend through all the way through uh, school, where we walked back and forth between SC and UCLA, and his dad was on staff there at SC, and so we were recording stuff for the film projects there and for UCLA because they were both changing between uh film and tape right at that time and so we were starting to do remote recording and we'd go out and record stuff we set up an episode that happens much later in supernatural but we recorded uh tap dancing because they couldn't really get it the way they wanted so we actually had got these brand new types of funky microphones called PZM's that we rented and borrowed and put them on the floor and recorded these two guys doing tap that went straight to film. So it was one of the first times we had done that of having it be live live and not something that was replaced or something that was just live direct out. But we did it in sync. Which okay, was really so
0: cool. I just going to clarify something. So you're talking yes, about sir. film cameras were rolling for that. So yep. that it was, you were capturing live sound. You didn't fully that later. There was nope. nothing about that that was redone. 100% live.
4: We just, we did it with a downbeat and then started doing the, they did the tap on it, recorded it out that way. I answered an ad at UCLA to be super, you know, sound editor wanted. It's like, oh okay, sure, let's see how that goes. And jumped into a non-union company and started designing and editing and eventually mixing for eh, should I say the what show was the last season of or should I not? Yeah, okay. It. For a really big one, Airwolf, which was wow. gigantic. And so it was when Jan Michael Vincent left the show and the show kind of closed down. That was at the time when they had to really worry about having a number of episodes to be able to do the package, right? You have to have 200 episodes to be able to sell into syndication. So we had 28 episodes we had to do. So it was done up in Canada. Sounds familiar? For the very first time up in Vancouver. And we did Airwolf with stock footage and all these things. We had to grab sound libraries from Universal we eventually moved over to Universal and started cutting developing sound for this stuff. I was doing sitcoms and airwolf, so it was like a pretty big wide yeah.
0: to jump We're in into the gamut really fast. Yeah. We'll be right back.
1: You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you.
3: Join the journey to save Anomaly.
1: Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours.
3: So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives.
1: There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head-on
3: without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray.
1: There are worlds, realms dimensions and realities beyond yours.
3: Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, Offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit seekanomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly.
1: Here it's magic.
0: Thanks for listening. Now back to the episode. Now let's talk uh, about that, what yeah. we're explaining. You're of talking course. about the, the group ADR mm-hmm. and breaths and efforts. So... Explain that, if you don't mind. Walk walk everybody through that. Absolutely. Um, let's say, specifically,
4: let's talk about the episode we're going to look at today. Yeah. When the entire, when the episode was written, the idea is the entire world starts shrinking smaller and smaller because people are disappearing. So we want to make sure that anything that was in production, for example, maybe the camera operator is backing up in a shot and we want to get rid of their feet and we want to be able to have control over it. Right. So we might, for uh, Sam, as he's coming in the hallway and looking very concerned and walking from place to place, we might replace, for with time, his efforts and breaths coming around the corner and struggling, because we don't have that, because we had Bob Singer, while he's directing, maybe saying, and duck, and move to the side. And so you have the stunt coordinator and the director possibly talking directly over at that, at that same time right, so that we might for time replace efforts and breaths with a group meaning a n- number of people who would come in and be the background people that you see at the top of the show in croatoan there's quite a few people we we hear and don't see we're trying to populate that town because we want to be able to hear there's 30 or 40 people on the street. The people are busy. Everyone's happy. How you doing? Smiling, waving, and all that. And then as the show goes on, fewer and fewer people are there. And so that entire sound and the whole soundscape world gets mm. smaller. Mm-hmm. So instead of being a broad sound, it gets really personal. So there were times with both... Jensen and Jared, when they're too busy, they're already on two episodes now or three episodes down the line. They both gave us the blessing to have two guys who were in group every session who could replace their breaths and efforts if necessary. Ah. So that it wouldn't be really having to pull somebody offset right. um or out of another production to be able to, I won't say just do it because it's super important on a show like Supernatural, because yeah. we're we live and die in close up yeah. the long shot. There's yeah. not a whole lot of middle. Right. So so you're living and dying out of these things. And if someone like Jared has a great big <laughs> react, you want to yeah. hear it because you yeah. see it so on camera. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't feel, if you don't have it, it feels false.
2: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of so, times, even as an actor, you come in and do ADR and you- Absolutely. You, you, in the scene, you've opened your mouth and it looks like, for me, like I almost have a bad habit where like, I'll go, you know, I'll start to say something, but don't. But then there's no sound there. So you've got to add, go back and add in like, ah. Well, well, you know, add in something like that, which I, I really enjoy doing. I love ADR. I love automatic uh di- dialogue replacement, ADRs. Uh, I love doing it.
0: It's an interesting process. I think you said something earlier that I think is really true, is that the ear wants to hear something. You don't have to be a film buff. Just any viewer watching anything, your brain, your your ear expects something, it expects a like you said, a casing to fall. or It's weird to go back and watch movies now without Foley, and you'll see somebody walking across the floor, and you're like, that's weird. There's no footsteps. Or bad Foley, where it's like... Or or footsteps that sound like they're walking on your lap. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's interesting that... And I think that of all the jobs, of all the departments, the one that people understand the least is yours, who are are fans of the business, but just fans. Because you see the camera guy. You see the, the boom guy. You see the actors. You see the, the stunt coordination. What you don't see is from the ground up, the audio palette being built. And I think people would be shocked to know how much they are hearing that wasn't there originally, because it's wall to wall. Right. I think you're completely right. I mean, I, I can tell you a side story really quick about
4: an older film, which I think is one of my favorites, is Magnificent Ambersons. When they that was done, they shot in a freezer for part of the scenes, right? So that to be able to have the correct you know, breath coming out and freezing as we're going. So um, H.G. Wells afterwards looked at it and they went, how are we going to get the sound of them riding on a sleigh with the movement you have in your body and not have it sound false? So they said, okay. So they put everybody on two-by-fours and bounced the two-by-fours up and down so you had a sense of movement in their voice. And if you go back and watch that, that's what, 1938 nine. It's there. And it's like you, you look at it and you go, that's right. These are wow. all, you know, like like I'm, I'll give you guys compliments, which I know you both hate. You know, <laughs> you're both you both know craft really well and understand what you're trying to do for timing. Mm-hmm. And so were the actors in that film. So they yeah. would go through, going, okay, I'm hearing the timing. You hear, I mean, you you guys know, you're three beeps for rhythm. So anyone who is a singer or getting rhythm or knows comic timing will go beep beep speak so you're mm-hmm. talking on the imaginary fourth beat right so that was a way to be able to do that so that we could they could go through and loop the audio quite literally on a film chain which was why it was called loop looping so mm-hmm. that you would go through and record it until that loop was perfect then say like, great loop 118 is perfect take down that and then put it, the next one up
2: gotcha um, now, when you get a script, a Supernatural script, like, like say this one, Croatoan, like, what's the how, what's the process? Where does it start for you when a new script comes out? What's what's your process in terms of, like,
4: reading the script, then, then what? Uh, well, luckily, Supernatural was a series where the script is very descriptive. The script has quite a few descriptions, and sometimes it's just emotion words that are in it, too. It's like, this is going to be, this is totally cool. It goes in and out of the dark, and it's this. So, we actually see that in the script. You go, Okay, and a lot of the writers and producers would put in feelings and notes, or even like a little re- or references that go back to other pieces of media to say, it's Night of the Living Dead, we're walking this, but not, it's cooler. Or it really says, you see 20 people on walking down the street, and we go to the doctor's office, we come back out, and there's fewer. We go to the doctor's office again, we come back out, and there's no one on the street. Wow. And so you realize that sometimes just in the way it's written, but definitely when the show is has been shot or if it's someone we know really well, because Bob Singer and I have worked together on and off for, I hate to say, close to 30 years. So he would say, I got a really cool thing we're doing. It's going to be like this. We're going to want it to go from really big to just we're in people's heads. We want to just have what is that visceral connection you have at that moment. So this is on you. And he- Points at you and you then you walk out. Right. That's uh yeah.
2: And then then is there? Do you have a meeting with the director? Then soon after that.
4: Yes. Usually, if if the director was one of the producers, yes. But as happens a lot, a lot of directors who are journeyman directors are on to the next project because we're posting it four to six weeks after you finish shooting it. You, I mean, that was when you guys got calls to come back to redo things as well. So we might be four to six weeks out, and the director has given their notes to the picture editor who's talked to the producers and the producers have notes and then post supers and others will do that we'll do a big meeting we'll do a post-production meeting and then we'll do a spotting session with music myself and the picture editors and the assistants just in case there's any note that was left behind because the assistant's are you know we're are taking notes madly about what everybody says to make sure everybody's vision goes through to the end, right? As far as we as far as it can go.
2: So in this episode, Sam comes out of his vision in the beginning, and there are some warping sounds. Are those consistent with his previous visions? Was that something you invented on the day, or was that something that you guys kind of used as the vision sound?
4: Uh, that's a, that's a great question. The, we did create at that with sound effects editors and also music because we kind of top one on top of each other. So. Uh, Our sound effects editors at the time were Tim Cleveland and Paul Diller and Mark Meyer, who was on from the pilot all the way to the end, Mark was, which was great. So there's a serious consistency to go, remember when we did blah, blah. So, yeah, that we had those visions were consistent in season two so that we at least had the same sort of looking at it musically the same sort of pitch and rhythm and drive to come in and out. So once we created it, we gave that to picture department or they pulled it out along with the composer and then it would top it. So all the time with the composers we'd have this discussion to say, okay, who wants to hit that? And then we'd go, yeah, I'll hit it and I'll we'll hit it too, but let's just keep the stems or the portions of it separately so we can mute just that drum hit coming from Jay if need be, mm-hmm. um, in case it hits the action too hard or a visual effects comes in and then the sync slides and the music is harder to move than our sound effects. Right. So Why? That, that, Why is that? Because of the overall sync? Right. The overall sync and a lot of, because the, mu- the music is going and doing reference to uh, emotion. Right. Where, this, where most of the sound effects, I won't say all, most of the sound effects are in to being able to delineate action. And then also helping emotion. Like, uh, you talked about the beginning of the episode. You've got a really cool sequence where everything is warping. You hear a heartbeat in through that coming in and about. You hear the people's voices twisting a little bit. And then everything snaps back out. So we had to create a good in and a good out to match what the visual is. Because it's not, they're not visual effects, they're camera visuals in a lot of cases to see what's happening, the changes of cut and what the POV is. And is there uh, a vignette or an edge around that frame? At which point your brain says, okay, that's is that is that a dream sequence or is it a point of view? Is he having a vision? And that was the discussion we were going on. It's like we'd hear back and forth from Phil and Bob and others. It's like, no, I want a little bit more vignette. I want to hear see it a little cloudier, to really know where we are on these shots. And the sound needs to follow it, too. Or it feels odd. If you put those weird, warbly sound effects straight across picture that doesn't have a change, it feels odd. The same way as if you have, to me, if you have bright, clean sinky sound effects on top of jump cut picture it doesn't feel right it doesn't have the disconcerting weirdness for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. that it would of of what the
0: picture is doing so we Mm -hmm. have to use the picture as our guide for the effects as well Mm -hmm. you know what i think is one of the one of the things that would fascinate people who are not in the know Mm -hmm. room tone yes that you have to go in and put in the sound of a room, because no one thinks of a room as having sound, but of course it does. Mm-hmm. Right? How do you decide? I know that the boom guy is getting a little extra stem for you, to, so you know, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's very little bit. Right. So how do you build a room tone? Because you're not building it off that. You're not going to loop that thing every, right? You can't take his, little, his or her little snippet and loop it. You're going to have to build a room tone. How do you decide based on, you know, given the parameters of the set and, you know, the town and, all all the other elements how how is how is that room tone decided upon and how is it created we try and do it
4: with a feeling i like well for me i asked i ask ahead of time if possible is like can i have see the ground plan you're shooting on so we know what the actual set is like and my first question is is there a window where is it you know so that we're when we're in the shot pov we want to know it's off left, or it's off right, or it's behind
0: you. Is that, and is that for your mix? So because now when you're doing that, now you're talking about right speaker, left speaker, back right, like uh-huh.
4: when a car car drives right. by or whatever. That's what you're talking yeah. about. So for example, Rob behind you, if I'm looking camera POV, you have a glass door, a half mm-hmm. glass door behind you. That mm-hmm. half glass door has a different sound than what would be in Rich's room because Rich's Rich has. Wood hard sides around behind him, but that half glass door behind you is an older door. Just by looking at it, yeah, um, it it sound would leak, sound and or wind would leak through it a little bit. So Uh you want to know that there's a world off to your your left, my camera, you know, camera right, Uh huh? Right. So that so you have that feeling out there. Right. That being said, on a set set because so much of episode nine, season two is set inside the dispensary and inside the, the hospital,
1: mm-hmm. the, the clinic right. That's there. right,
4: right, right. The clinic had a whole bunch of background sounds like any clinic would. It's got air conditioning. Okay, what sort of air conditioning? Oh, what's the thematic air conditioning? Can we take it and tweak it a little bit so that we have a sense of foreboding? And so right. that's one of the things that you're talking about that we try and do emotionally mm-hmm. to it. So what we would do is try and create... A sound or a sound template for a space. So you want that space to be able to not only have the three dimensions, but you want a fourth to, as far as I'm concerned, which would be what's the emotional quality of the space? And if we can augment that, we'll create a room tone along with maybe the room of the air conditioning, but what should that air conditioning sound like? Are we trying to lead that, there's, that it's kind of a dangerous place? We might play around quite a bit with very low frequency sound, because that's what we did in Supernatural from the pilot on down. To give you a sense of foreboding, we might have a really low frequency rumble that just builds up every time we come into an emotional, scary moment and then drop out hard so that you're not really aware of what it is. And then suddenly that sound would just drop out hard like that. I can breathe again for a second. Right. That's awesome. In some cases, when we're trying to create that flashback sound, coming in and out of a room, there'll be a whole lot of extra things in it, which will then also go away hard coming back to quote reality. When we first go into the clinic, there's still a little bit typing. Maybe there's a little phone ringing out there. There's a, there's a sense of traffic moving by, which we decided seeing Sam and Dean (laughs) as the, uh, Two agents coming in are walk in, and they're coming in from visible left, walking across and and coming down. So we want to hear a car, let's say, go by at that moment to know there's people in that town, out that direction. You hear it bleed through the next doorway, and the next doorway, it gets quieter. And then as the show progresses, it gets quieter and quieter. And so at that point, we're down to almost no sound in there, just enough to be able to not hear... Camera noise, or hear because we're still film then. To not hear camera noise and not hear playback, so you won't hear the video monitor squeal, which which actually the, the microphones do pick up. Wow! So if so if we're over the if we're on a really tight shot, you will actually hear the 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 focus rig mm. on some of it. Wow. You wouldn't be aware of it because we're we're able to notch some of that out. Now we can do it even even more. But some of those remote focus rigs, you heard that. Servo eh, eh,
1: yeah. coming
4: in and out. And we would have to get rid of that because it wouldn't feel right. Yeah. But you want to follow that move still. So maybe we would just add that rumble in just a little bit over that move that right. push in and then pull back on it. When we're in Sam's point of view, worrying about have I been eaten? Have I, you know, have I gotten have I got the have I got the stuff in me, etc.? Right. There is a more of a swirl. Talking very very light motion in the sound to really feel that his his worry about it, and then it then when something else happens that would go away because you can't maintain that forever because right. it just, it loses its effect.
2: Yeah, I, it's uh, it's all so fascinating. Honestly, I could hear so you. Cool. We, we could talk about this all day, and you're going to have to come back because there's there's lots Happily. more to dig into. And and next time you watch to to anyone listening, next time you watch an episode, close your eyes. And listen to what this man is doing. Uh, it's it's an art uh, unto itself,
4: and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Well, thank you, guys. It's great to see you and great to talk to you. Yeah.
0: And I will add to Rob's thought, if you're watching this show now on iPad or for your phone, which a lot of people do, put on headphones so you can at least hear more in more detail because those speakers don't do it justice. You know what I mean? Right. Put on the headphones. Listen to the to the detail. Uh, th- that's there in the audio soundscape. Thank you so much. This is fascinating.
2: It really
1: it, is.
0: Man, Thank I nerd you. out on this stuff. I mean, <laughs> so you got to come back, and we'll continue this conversation.
4: That'd be my pleasure. We should we should come back and talk sometime about uh, the creation of baby because that'll be fun sometime. I would uh, love absolutely. that. Absolutely, sure. that's Whole what we'll do an episode it. on that.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Thank Michael. You. It was really great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great seeing you. Hey, this is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. We are going to take a quick break.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural? Maybe all the above. Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice of, I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now, and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy um, about once a week, and it's just such a nice time for me to to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am really and what i really want and what makes me happy it's super important and often neglected taking this time if you're thinking about starting therapy get better help try it's entirely online it's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule so all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire you get matched with a licensed therapist and then oh get this you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy. That's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com S-P-N-T-A-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P S-P-N-T-A-N. Hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game, and it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters, and you complete missions, and then you unlock... Fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a pvp player versus player mode such as alliance war or real-time arena so as we as I record this they're enjoying their six-year anniversary so you know what that means free stuff free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description so the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strive Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks, Once again, to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode.
0: Hey, it's Jeffrey D. Morgan again. Welcome back to the podcast.
2: That was great, man. It's as you as predicted, you nerded
0: out and uh, (laughs) I kept waiting for you to like. Kick me under the table, but then I remembered we're in two different states.
2: Well, yeah, but and the fact is, I was just as nerding out because he tells great stories, and you could kind of listen to that voice. Also, just a side note: kudos to, to him to being the first guest that knew his way around a microphone <laughs> and knew oh, how man. to record himself.
0: Oh uh, yeah, he knew how he, he not, yeah. Not only the microphone, but the software. Yeah, uh, you know, like to record his voice. as opposed
2: and, to Bob Singer, who I love dearly, was like, I don't know what the hell. When am I supposed to? Where's that on a all right, I'm holding the keyboard. Show me where's the
0: where's the R. <laughs> you're, you're, by the way, prepare for the strongly worded letter from Bob Singer <laughs> that's headed your way. Um, <laughs> the uh, it, it, it was a great Mike it was a great interview, and we'll obviously have him back to talk more about it. But but also thank you, Michael, for the uh, the sound. Samples you sent us that we were able to drop throughout the interview. Really cool, especially for a podcast. It's a perfect way to sort of demonstrate what we're talking about. So thank you so much.
2: I mean it. I used to love seeing him uh, when I'd go in to do ADR. He's a
0: good good egg. Maybe Rob and I are the only two people who – appreciate this in this conversation now out of you listeners, but I can tell you, if you do this for a living, there are a lot of people out there doing crappy ADR where you can tell that lines have been added or subtracted or, you know, redone. And you just can't tell in Supernatural. Like the, the, the looping, the ADR that they, the sound team does is perfectly matched to the production dialogue.
2: Also, I know a lot of actors who don't like doing ADR and I love it because I like seeing what it looks like. Dude, you're really
0: good at it. I can say this as a guy who's had you do ADR in Kings of Khan. Like you, you and Rick Gomez are like next level ADR people. It's not like normal ADR people. Most most actors don't like it because it's hard. It's hard to recapture mm. right. performance in yeah. and that. And I think because you're a musician and you're used to being in front of the microphone singing. Yeah, and in Rick Gomez's case, he's just he's been doing voiceover work since he right. was in Knee Pants. Right. But you guys just have an, a skill there that is that is rare.
1: Yeah, Uh, I suck
0: at it. You know, I'll I'll go in and do five takes, and I'll be like, you know, let's just cut the line. We'll just, you know, we don't need the line. Um, Yeah. Anyway, well, let's get into the mythology.
2: Mythology, come,
0: come! It's the eagle of mythology.
2: All right, well, uh, here we go. Roanoke Colony, also called the Lost Colony, was located on an island in present-day North Carolina. So, How do real- they
0: know that? I thought it was lost. I guess we just caught them in their lies.
2: <laughs> a little over 100 settlers were left there while ships went back to England for supplies. When they returned three years later, the colony was fortified but abandoned.
0: I'm surprised there wasn't a, a post-it note fashioned out of a leaf saying, three years? Seriously? Thanks for nothing.
2: <laughs> Seriously, yeah, totally. Like that, it's like uh, like having like an American Airlines flight that's delayed or something. Three years. I'll be tweeting about this.
0: <laughs> so, um, and all, all they saw was a, a a bunch of people in Hawaiian shirts and and you know leather bags, just skeletons standing there waiting, <laughs> lined well, up waiting for the boat to arrive.
2: Well, actually, what they did see was the word Croatoan carved into a wall. Um, At the time, there was a Croatoan island inhabited by a tribe of indigenous people called the Croatoan. Well, no one knows for sure what happened to the colonists. Many people believe they were either massacred or assimilated into the local native tribes. Hmm.
0: Well, I'm 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 going to say, I'm going to (laughs) guess. I'm going to go, didn't assimilate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say, that doesn't make sense, because all you would need to do is look at the, the tribe and go, look, there's a bunch of local tribal people And that awkward white guy
2: with (laughs) What? No, I was uh, born with these guys. Uh, Uh,
0: Dave, what are you doing? (laughs) I'm not Dave, I'm local man. (laughs) uh,
2: Tell me about Violent Viruses, Rich.
0: Great band. I saw them in the late 70s. (laughs) They changed their name to the Violent Films and Ah, really broke out in the 80s. Okay. There are different strains of rabies. I don't need to tell you that, Robbie. No. One is called furious rabies and can cause violent behavior when someone is infected. The other one is called cute and cuddly rabies <laughs> and makes you want to snuggle. <laughs> rabies can take three weeks to three months to incubate. About three people in the U.S. die of rabies every year, usually from a bat bite.
2: Yeah. Well, oh, don't man. play baseball. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I thought there was an element to this episode that was felt very... uh Prescient because of, uh, you know, what we're dealing with right now with all the viruses going around.
0: This podcast brought to you by Merriam-Webster, where today's word is prescient. <laughs> there you go. Well done, Rob. That Northwestern degree coming out in your word choice. <laughs> Hope the Alumni Magazine covers this episode.
2: <laughs> Time for trivia, fun facts. Fun facts, fun facts, fun. Dean introduces themselves as U.S. Marshals Billy Gibbons and Frank Beard. and ZZ those- Top. Men were in the band's easy top. Did and you they- know that
0: when you heard the names, Rob? Did you know? Of course. Of course I did.
2: And they both have amazing beards.
0: Actually, that's not true. Frank Beard was the clean shaven one. Yeah. Uh, Billy Gibbons and uh, Dusty Hill had Didn't the beards. Didn't Frank Beard
2: have a mustache?
0: Frank Beard had a mustache. Yeah. And weirdly, his brother, Carl Mustache, only had sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: And then, of course, there was Jimmy Sideburn, completely clean shaven.
0: <laughs> this episode is unique in that the mystery of where all the town people went is never solved.
2: Oh, that's true.
0: It's called never phoning it, it in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's called lazy writing. <laughs> no, we're no. kidding. kidding. Uh, no, no, we're kidding. The doctor mentions the town Sidewinder is 40 miles away. Now, Sidewinder is a town 40 miles away from the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. Ooh, Creepy. In the Stephen King's TV miniseries, Storm of the Century, a demon made the Roanoke colonists drown themselves in the ocean. So there's a good segue for you. I
0: guess that's what Stephen King thinks happened to the uh, colonists. That's right. His theory is on record.
2: Yeah. Um, Also, you know, when Dean is leaving town, he walks past a license plate that has WTF on it. Now, that's got to be coincidence, because were people saying WTF back in 2007?
0: To me, that's a... Where's the friend? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or what What the friend? I don't think what so, the but friend. I don't think they uh, uh, watched the front. Is it, no, I, I don't think they were uh, uh, saying what WTF on purpose back then. But but good eye, Robbie.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, Kripke mentions, quote, we felt if you're going to prepare for war, one of the things you might try to do is an experiment and see if there is a biological agent at your disposal. Oh,
0: I see what you did. You leapt down to the last one. I was about to wrap it up. I thought you. Yeah. I thought you just. Saw, I thought you saw the WTF thing. I didn't know you were reading the script. Good for you, Robbie, for not missing any of the bullet points here on the on the paper.
2: So we're episode nine, season two. He's finally.
0: <laughs> no, you're leaping He's around. Finally- if people could see, yeah. they would understand because you leapt to the end, uh-huh, but you did uh-huh. it wisely because you were following the segue. Like you're a trained professional. Right. You're good at this, man. You're well, like, thanks, man. I don't have Appreciate any business that. being here, but you. You're good. Do I bring a little I flavor? It. Sure. But I mean, sure. you're really doing the heavy lifting here. Ladies and gentlemen, sure. if you don't mind, I'd like to take a moment. A, a <laughs> round of applause for Rob Bennett on the other microphone.
2: Salute. I salute you, sir. Um, well, the fun episode uh, and fun uh, podcast. Let's do it again.
0: <laughs> Let's do it about uh, 300 more times.
2: Yeah. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester.
0: Guest stars included Kate Jennings Grant, Bobby Jose, Diego Klattenhoff, Pamela Clayton, and Chilton Crane. Trivia about Chilton Crane, she appears in a later episode of Supernatural years from now as Jack, played by Alex Galbert's grandmother.
2: Okay. Wow, that sentence, I sort of confused me. I'm confused by it myself.
0: Point is, Chilton Crane is Jack's grandmother, Jack. grandmother.
2: Oh, Jack's grandmother, In the future. Yes, okay. Also, my friend Hank Chilton's wife' name is Pamela. Oh, my God. that's what pa- Pamela Clayton's name is. Yeah. Croatoan was written by John Chibon and directed by Bob Singer. Editing by Tom
0: McQuaid. Music by Jay Greska. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. This episode originally aired on December 7th, 2006. I don't need to tell anybody on this podcast what date December 7th is. A day... That will live in infamy. In infamy. The bombing of Pearl Harbor. That's right.
2: This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict.
0: Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Heidi Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn.
2: The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. Okay, this is Croatoan,
0: and this is what we're talking about. Okay. That, <laughs> I thought you were doing the intro. I'm like, wow, maybe right. a little take-two with a little <laughs> more life.
2: Talk about tone shift. Okay.
0: <laughs> I want to say it together, because I want to see if we can get it right. Three, two, one. Croatoan. Croatoan.
4: Pretty much any time. I only missed two episodes, Rob and Rich and Steve, out of the entire run. One, huh. one was when my father passed away, which is understandable. The Sorry. other one was... Th- I, I've told both of you, because I've known you guys long enough, is that I, my wife and I, since 1989, have been ch- chasing eclipses. So we went to an eclipse in Australia oh when gosh. one of the shows posted. Wow. And it was like, I'm going. You know, because it was a really cool way to be able to say, I'm absolutely going somewhere. These are the dates. You can't do anything about it. It only happens then. So <laughs> right, like, right, right. It's my hard line in the sand and wow. the hard line in the sky. Wow to That's be awesome. able to do that. So How do you I've t- never heard that before. That's
1: cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Michael. We're, we're on a you. tight schedule. Yeah, I'll let so you go.
4: Thanks, dude. Thanks thank as you. we will talk again. to you forever. We'll Bye. be in talk- Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Are we on a different Zoom for this other one? We are. All right. See you there. Sidewinder is a town 40 miles away from the Overbrook Hotel in The Shining.
0: That should be the Overlook, not Overbrook.
2: I didn't know you knew The Shining so, so well, Rich.
0: I, here's the thing. I love... The movie, the Jack Nicholson movie, obviously. Yeah. I then I've read the novel, and then yeah. I watched the mini series oh. of The Shining that came out starring the guy from Wings. What? Yeah, they did a in the '90s. They did a three-part or four-part mini series of The Shining starring the guy from Wings. Right. But I should look guy. at Steve. Who's the other guy from Wings? And by the way, wings right now, half the audience doesn't even know wings. Like- half? I would say 80%. <laughs> half? You spit out your coffee. Half. Half. Okay, who is this? Who is this, Steve? I need a name. Steven. G- Dorf. Steven. G- Goober. Milsenstein. Steven. Is N- Steven. N- M- M- Steven Steven Weber. Weber. Steven Weber. Steve Steven Weber. Steven Weber. Okay, Steven, right? Yeah. Steven Weber started in The in the Shining. Wow. Thing, and I did, you know, he did a bang-up job. The, produ- the production looked great. The, 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 it was cool. It was more of the actual novel in that miniseries. And there was no way you could not watch that miniseries and and come away with... The one thing I know that everybody came away with after watching that miniseries is, why the hell did they try to remake The Shining? Sure, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the movie's yeah. just too perfect. I don't care if they left out bits of the book. The, it's just too great. Did
2: you see Doctor Sleep? No, I do not even know what that is. Uh, that's a sequel to The Shining that they that came out about three years ago. What with uh, Ewan McGregor?
0: Ewan McGregor. Yeah. I did not see that. He anymore.
2: plays he plays the, uh, the son all grown up.
0: Oh, Red Rum guy.
2: Yeah, all grown up, and he's and I think that's also a Stephen King book. I think there was a book called Doctor Sleep that was the.
0: Oh, that's true. Anyway. Well, you know, there's uh, also there's a hotel. Hey, Jace, what's that hotel called in Oregon where they oh, shot boy. part of The Shining? <laughs> Timberline Timberline Lodge. They shot some of the exteriors shots of The Shining. At this really cool place called the Timberline Lodge, which is which was a hotel built during the Roosevelt, the FDR uh,
1: okay. uh, uh, administration, Good.
0: when he All was right, in, investing money. Uh-huh. Okay. When he was given, he was creating jobs. It was a creation jobs okay. creation act. Great. So he gave woodworkers and carpenters things to build, funded by the government. And Timberline Lodge is one of those things. And the woodwork Great. is astonishing. A wonderful well, place to take your family skiing. But the rooms are small. Speaking I'm of, I'm not going to lie to you. But it's, speaking the of, outside is where they shot stuff from The Shining out of the Timberline Lodge.
2: Speaking of Stephen King's mini series,
0: I'll say this. Sorry, non non. Podcast question. Have we reviewed this episode yet?
2: No. Dean's just kill crazy. Dean's in a mood. Yeah. Dean makes everybody leave and refuses to let Sam off himself.
3: Wait. <laughs> <laughs> sure. let's, let's
0: try that again. Let's try that again and put the emphasis elsewhere. Got it, got it. Take two.
1: <laughs> Storybell media.